podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hello and welcome to the Five Year Plan Podcast. Oh, that's you. I tried to harmonise there. It nearly worked. Um, It's the final pod of the season. It's our end of season review slash award slash let's chat about what happened podcast. For the final time this season, we are delighted to be sponsored by our friends at Eternity Home Finance. They're a Croydon-based, palace-supporting, family-run mortgage and protection advisors. From getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com for a free consultation, quoting the code FYP. A massive thanks to Josh and all the folks over at Eternity Home Finance uh, for their support this season. Really appreciate it. They've been a joy to work with. So do make sure any mortgage queries, email them, quote the code FYP, and they are the people to sort you out. I'm delighted that Kevin Day is here. Kevin, how are you? Uh, I'm hot and cross. That's how I am. Yes, I always forget. I always forget. Yeah. I'm also hot and cross, if that that helps in any way. And I normally like someone. Yeah, but you haven't got reverse SAD, (laughs) like what I've got. DAS. (laughs) As. Yeah. Anyway, I, mean, I can't have reverse SAD because I don't believe people who say they have SAD. So I can't go around claiming I've got reverse SAD. But you know, I hate the summer and okay. it's really hot at the moment. It's a long summer. We'll we'll do uh, we'll do spin-offs on uh, seasonal affective disorder. <laughs> In the meantime, Jack Pierce is here. Jack, how are you? I'm feeling all right. I'm, I, it is hot, but um, I've just spent the day because we were recording the day after we recorded with Clive. Um, QPR podcast last night about the Ebb special and I've just spent the whole day relieved that we're not in the championship next season mm. so well, yeah feeling good feeling enjoy good. that enjoy that for about a year and, yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm joking fixtures um, out in the morning you know yeah. it's, it's all good yeah well Man City Arsenal Liverpool Man United <laughs> Chelsea all away first five games <laughs> get out of the way the computer hates us as always Right. This is a looking this is a looking back pod, but I might we might come on to fix it in a minute because there's 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 the inevitable leaks that are going on right now, which I'm probably I'm sure are all rubbish. Uh, first of all, though, our final panelist Ruben Pinder is back. Ruben, are you a f- summer fan? You fan of the heat? I, I am actually. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. To quote Jay from the In Between, might be too hot, but um, I 
I am much more of a summer man than a winter man because uh, I have no body fat and I feel the cold. So it's, I'm pleased that the sun's come out. You're young and slim, Ruben. So of course the summer's good for you, and you're uh, young enough. You're young enough. You can wear anything you want and make it look trendy and fashionable. Right. Well, thank you very yes, much. I can't, I can't even wear short sleeves at my age. He it's had, ridiculous. Uh, and this Ruben, is, okay. Ruben was due to attend a sports day today. I, really? I did go to the sports day. We had our um, annual, uh, you know, day out in Hyde Park. Played some football for about fifteen minutes and was absolutely knackered. Was just <laughs> yeah. That's a very, it's a very athletic thing to do. Have a sports mm-hmm. day. I'm also realizing, Kevin, that's why I'm starting to hate summer because I used to be skinny and uh, now I'm not. So. We're learning things about ourselves today. Um, before we go on to, well, we've got various categories that we always do at the end of the season, our, our, our memories and our favourite bits from the season. Um, the fi- Speaking of fixtures, there's a thing going around that has Palace at home to Chelsea tomorrow that I've seen. I've been sent on by various WhatsApp groups. Can we all just categorically say in here, that's probably bollocks. Mid-table rubbish. Mid-table crap. <laughs> Well, it should be an easy three points, though. Yeah, it should be. I'll take it. If it. I mean, it probably is bollocks, but I'll take it if it's true. Well, Ru- Ruben will tell you that the security around uh, the fixtures is, in, I mean, it's it's proper MI5 style security. And every season so far, all the speculation has been entirely wrong. Yeah, I wouldn't trust uh, any rumours. Yeah. Also, like, I can categorically say that we will play all the other 19 teams twice. Yeah. There you go. Exclusive. Yeah. Exclusive to kick off the podcast. <laughs> Although it does seem it does seem every season that we play them more than twice. We play we seem to play Man City four times a season. I don't think Brighton played them at all last year. <laughs> we played them two more times than was necessary. It every week last year it seemed like we were playing a, a top six team somehow. Yeah. It does feel like that. That was because yeah. of the because of the split of fixtures, wasn't it? You, I suppose, you, yeah, you, yeah, you I blur suppose. out the the yeah. horrible bit and then you remember that. Yeah, yeah. Indeed. Uh, speaking of blurring out the horrible bits and remembering the good bits, let's look back at last season, 2022-23 season. Are we, are we doing the whole season or are we doing what Palace did at the Player of the Year and pretty much starting in March? April the 1st. <laughs> well, it's up to It's very Palace. It's up to you guys. I'm going to chuck some categories at you and then okay. you can decide as much as you want to delve into them or not. Um, the first one, and I feel like we always start with this one, I can't remember, is player of the year slash player of the season. I think this can be the quickest category we've ever done. The official winner was Chet Decore. If anybody in here, I feel like I'm officiating a wedding, has any reason why it shouldn't be Chet Decore, make yourself heard now. <laughs> but otherwise, oh, well, we'll go through. Ruben, I'll go to you. Uh, did you vote check? If not, who and why? But I feel like this would be quite a quick section. I feel I feel like we spoke about this last time I was on and I said Decore. Um, right. The official awards were... There was fans player of the year was Decore, right? But players player was Elise. Yeah. Which I felt quite... I, I, I thought that was quite um, enlightening because I'm sure the whole squad rates Decore very highly um, and we all rate Elise very highly, but... The, um, it shows that the players can see that Elise's ceiling is insanely high. And, like, you know, he was a bit more of a match winner this season than he had been last year. Um, so that's those are the moments that kind of stick out. So I can understand why he got it. But for me, it's Decore because I think uh, without him, the downside is so much greater. So, yeah, I'd, I'd stick with Decore. I completely agree. Kevin? I, I agree, but I was still surprised, to be perfectly honest. I thought Decore at the start of the season was slightly overwhelmed in a couple of games, which wasn't his fault. It was the way the system was was working out. But I, I think it was absolutely the right choice. But I expected one of the flair players to get it, to be honest. I, I thought, um, I think if Eze had played the whole season, he would have been probably nailed on to get it. I thought Elise would get it. 
to be honest. But I think it was absolutely the right choice. I think Decore, essentially, especially under Hodgson, I mean, he, he enabled us to play four one five at some stages away from home. He was magnificent in midfield, and also as Roy Hodgson pointed out himself, he was his disciplinary record was so much better. Uh, under Roy Hodgson. Roy's very good at blowing his own trumpet. Everyone thinks that Roy's essentially modest, but he finds ways to let people know what a good job he's done. And I think he was on nine yellows before, he was, and he didn't get the one needed for a suspension. So that's a remarkable turnaround as well. But I, I thought he was fantastic. The, the last third of the season, I thought DeCorey was was outstanding. So I was I was delighted that he won he won the award. That little tweak in shape that Roy implemented from mm. because under Vieira Decorio was playing a lot next to Schlupp in a two yeah. with maybe yeah. with maybe like maybe two strikers or maybe at least as a ten who wasn't really, you know, doing that much defensive work because he's slightly out of position. So that tweak in shape, yeah, Eze probably prefers to play on the left side, but he was playing more on the right and Schlupp was kind of back into his best position. It just everybody it was more like round pegs and round holes. Yeah. Yeah, I can see. I can see Jack positively bursting. I think to say the words Mark and Gahey, possibly. Uh, but I th- let's see, Jack. Over to you. Uh, no, I think Mark Gay would probably warrant a fair shout. But I, I, well, I went and checked to Corey, and we, I think, yeah, we did talk about this quite close to the end of the season because I think the vote was open. And yeah, I, th- I thought checked to Corey was a fair winner. But yeah, Mark Gay, Joker Manson in the first part of the season was very, very good, and, and probably our best player in the early part of the season. And then Michael Elise. Um, really justified winning an award that evening and as Ruben said the fact the players gave it to him probably says quite a lot um, and then Ebbs ended the season on fire so as the song goes so uh, yeah please for uh, please for Chet to win it but yeah other if other people had won it I don't think there'd be much um, much moaning but yeah Chet to Corey winner for me but that's uh, how, how much better is that than other seasons when in times gone by, when it was either Julian or Wilf, depending <laughs> on whether we finished thirteenth or fifteenth, yeah, basically yeah. we we had four or five players. You you wouldn't be surprised if Gehi got it, if if Eze got it, if Elise got it. Yeah, um, your goalkeeper should never be getting player of the season. Like it, I, like they're important in in many ways, more ways than they used to be. And like you know, they are one of eleven players, so fine. But like Man United gave it to De Gea for like so many years in a row because he was the only thing stopping them from you know being even worse than they were. Um, and uh, that is indicative of an underperforming team, I think. So yeah, the fact that it's not just the keeper or Wilf is is a really good sign, as you say. Three hundred thousand pound a week. David De Gea. Yeah. Just, the, the chap who runs my local off license is a Man United fan. Every time somebody mentions David De Gea, he goes, £300,000 a week, <laughs> David De Gea. <laughs> Which is, Jack, a nice little nod to our uh, SA episode with Clive when he revealed that in the season that SA scored, was it 15 goals from midfield? and was, oh, no, their that best was um, no, that was a, a slight tangent he went on telling us about when Adel Tarat scored, oh, right. scored 20, assisted 20 when they won the league in 2011. Uh, Paddy Kenny won Player of the Year because, <laughs> because the QPR fans thought that somebody else should like get some praise, um, but enough of them felt that that Paddy Kenny overtook Adol Tarapt in what was probably the best single performance in the Championship season in the last twenty years. But yeah, yeah, I think um, yeah, I, I think Julian won it four times, and I think probably the cult status may have contributed. To that yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but you know, every time Player of the Season comes around. I look at that list and I just look at Johnny Parr's name and I think, wow, 
was a time in the not-so-distant past, Jonathan Parr, who I had a lot of love for. Wow. We've (laughs) come a long way. The limited footballer. Limited footballer. footballer. You know, guy of the season, maybe. (laughs) Nice nice bloke of the season. The epitome of a limited footballer. Um, Actually, the way we're going with our recruitment, we could probably have a category in the next season, or a few seasons, of, of flair player of the season. I think we're going to have quite a few players potentially up for that. I'm not being serious here, but who knows? It's, it's so nice that there are better options than than our goalkeeper slash a centre-back. So anyway, anyway. Can I ask Ruben, do you think Ruben that Lerma will start as it will be a two with yeah. him and Dekure? I think I think the idea is probably to keep the same shape, um, but move Eze to... Uh, the left side where he kind of prefers to operate, especially if Wilf leaves where there'll be like an absence of flair on that side of the pitch and then have Lerma who's a right footer and a bit more of a functional all round midfielder on the right side. So he can give, um, you know, at least a bit of protection and then Eze can provide the flair on the left side, but he'll be a bit more withdrawn than Eze. So it will kind of be a slightly lopsided asymmetrical three. So I, I reckon we'll keep the same shape, but yeah, I think he'll fit in really well. And have you got any insight into whether Wolf is going? Uh, no, not that I can provide. Like it's 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 still very up in the air. Like I'm seeing the same things you're seeing. The right. I think the the French press have linked him to PSG, haven't they? Yeah, Which yeah. I would I would rather he went there than than Saudi Arabia. Yeah, I think we all would. Um, let's move on to the next category, uh, which I've written here: unsung hero of the season or unsung player of the season. This feels like a very 90s category. No one really says it anymore, but you know what? We love a bit of retro on the FYP podcast. Kevin, it's come to you first. Does anyone tick this box for you this season? Well, I, I, I'm, I was going to do Joel Ward, but I knew that would upset Jack. It's never Eddie, Eddie mentioned of Joel Ward is greeted by me, mate. All good. I, I think, again, it's one of those seasons where I feel like I should seek Joel Ward out and apologise yet again, because yet again, he's shown that he's, a against all expectation, he's a more than competent Right back in in the Premier League, but I think the for me it's Tyreek Mitchell because I think the whole of the back four has been excellent all season. I think Tyreek, it's got to that stage where because he's seven or eight out of ten every week, we we're almost taking him for granted now. You, you know you're going to get the novelty of having a good young left back has sort of worn off now. We we just think yeah, of course he's he's brilliant. He's Tyreek Mitchell, so you, you you very rarely find yourself talking about him. Afterwards, we talk about the centre-backs because they've been exceptional all season. We talk about Wardy because he's breaking our expectations. But with Tywick, he's just still at his very young age. He's a really, really top-quality Premier League defender. And we, we sort of just accept that and, and nod it through. And he I has no that, backup as well. That's absolutely. Well, that's a worrying thing. But mm. You're absolutely right, Dan. That, yeah, it's, they'll, they'll put that right this summer, surely they'll add. How many summers? How many summers have we said? <laughs> how long have you been a Palace fan, Jack? <laughs> no, but surely they'll put surely. that right this time. We'll buy four more midfield players. Right, uh, that's what I'm going to call. Like... That's what I'm calling the pod this week. We'll put they'll put right it right this summer. summer. <laughs> Dougie will do something this summer. He's... Doug, Doug. If, if Roy stays on, it's Doug Friedman. Doug, Doug, Doug Friedman. Friedman will do something. <laughs> uh, both sides. We need to cover both sides, both fullbacks. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think Tyreek's a really good shout. Actually, I think under Roy and and Ray, I think you know we'll talk about Roy's as we go, but. First mention of of the evening to to Ray Lewington, but um, Tyreek, I think he'd had a fairly solid season. There were there were games when you're thinking, okay, he needs to pick it up a bit. But when Roy came back in, I, I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Yeah, kind of yeah. returned to the form that did see him earn that England call up in March of, of the previous season. So 
Um, yeah, I think Tyreek's a, a great shout. I mean, obviously, Wardy is is a shout too, but you know, is he underrated when every time he has a decent game, we all go absolutely mental for it? I don't know. Is that <laughs> the, uh, the opposite of underrate? But, you know, another year's contract and what his role next season will be, who knows? It, I, I think signing him on with Kleine indicates that that might be business done at right back, but there is still a, a signing to be made at right back. But as you both say, moment ago. How many seasons have we been saying that? All right, Nathan Ferguson will be like a new sign. <laughs> <laughs> Poor sod. I mean, oh, they're no, just... Yeah. It, so just great, man. It's just got Connor Wickham. You just feel that if he does come back, you just everyone's going to be wincing for the first 10 games that he plays because he's... It must be awful there's, for, I for think such a young player as well to not no. be able to play football for so long. It's, it's really unfair given, you know, how highly rated he was, but yeah. I think some players have trend injury trends, don't they? And I think unfortunately he has one as well. Um, I was going to say, Jack, uh, Wardy and Ayu would be on the list for me, but I'm not sure they are unsung because we talk about how how good they play each week. So I'm actually going through the squad. I'm not actually sure. Jordan no one really jumps out. Well, Jordan Ives actually a pretty good shout at that because I, I, think... I I've got Ayu go written on. down. Yeah, go on, go on, Ruby. You I, go I, 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 I thought of Mitchell as well actually because like like you guys have just said I thought Ward gets enough praise and also I'm such a like a um I'm a Joel Ward um skeptic kind of like I love him and he has been brilliant um, but and like he does put in these good performances um still but he is limited right and whoa, I just w- I just wish we'd upgrade like there's you a, can't there's a Jack hold my pint moment I know, Jack has I left know. the call oh. <laughs> I, he, I don't disagree he's limited but like he's we are squeezing every bit of talent and performance out of him which is a good yeah. thing um but yeah I, I was thinking are you because Especially when Roy came back and like n- neither Eduard or Matessa were kind of like I started through the middle for quite a few games, didn't he? And so he gets moved around a lot. He started on the left when Wilf got injured. He's played he played on the right for most of last season. Obviously, it was mostly Elise this season, but he is reliable. I think uh, he won more fouls than any other player in the team, which given the other players we've got in attack is quite impressive and shows why he plays all the time. He's kind of like He's a bit like, not necessarily in style, but you know how like every manager at Chelsea and England loves Mason Mount? Mm. It's because he works really hard and he follows instructions very um, meticulously. And that's why managers uh, like playing him. So as frustrating as as he can be sometimes, because like when he plays on the right, he just kind of dribbles to the centre circle and passes the ball backwards. Mm. I think in other positions, he's much more effective. So I would give it to Ayu this season. I think, it, it used I to think be, in... Uh, sorry, oh, sorry, sorry, go on, Kevin. No, I was going to say, it, it used to be that it, if the best you could say about a player at the end of the season was he won a lot of fouls, that's damning with the faintest of praise. Isn't it? And that's what that's what his defenders used to say. Well, he gets a lot of free kicks. We win a lot of it. But this season, he's, he's a different player. I, I still... Mm. I still think I'd like to see him try Joe Linton on him. I, I could still I could see him as a central midfielder in, in a push because he he's physically did so that strong. once. Did Vieira yeah, that once away he, he played in that right sided eight role a bit, didn't he? Because you thought, I guess, like well, work rate ball carrier. Yeah, yeah. It was like there was a similar profile there to Gallagher. I think it um, was against Newcastle, so it was like Joe oh, Linton on Joe Linton <laughs> 2.0. like back in August. Yeah, maybe I, if he maybe if he dyes his hair blonde, that would maybe elevate him to show them. Who, who knows? Who knows? I, I think we saw when we went to Southampton, Jim, the most Jordan Ayew moment imaginable, where he skinned three players in no space on the byline and then just ran the ball out of play. But it was <laughs> it was so good 
to begin with that even when he ran the ball out of play, he still got a massive cheer from the away end. <laughs> yeah, I mean, two million pounds, however many years ago, yeah, it it pales into you know compared to well, other, yeah. other fees that we've paid for other players and other fees you see other clubs play for. It's it's an absolute bargain. He's he's paid it back multiple times now. He paid that back with a West Ham goal, didn't he, on Boxing Day? Yeah, true. Yeah. True enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. So I, so I guess oh, you get so. Unsung hero of the season. My vote would be uh, Jez Raksaki for being Charlton's best player. Um, That's a good one. <laughs> which is always enjoyable. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to our next category, which is goal of the season. Um, it doesn't actually feel, Ruben, like there's, I can't really think of many candidates. I've got one. I'll see if it comes up. But I've basically got one in my head. Mm. Um, what would be yours? I, so I think I know the one you're thinking of. Um I honestly don't know. I have so I've I've got one written down, but I'm not actually sure. So the one I've got written down is Eze versus Bournemouth, mm. um, and it could actually be either because I think they were like one was a great team move and the other one was a great pass and then a great individual run, and they're kind of both brilliant in different ways. Um, the Mateta goal against Leicester, mm. and uh, <laughs> I. As you know, I don't really rate Jean-Philippe Mateta as a, as a striker, but I was there for that, and I don't get to go to many games anymore, and it was honestly amazing. Like, the first touch, that's the thing with Mateta. He does that twice a season, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, normally it's quite an important moment. So um, for pure limbs and excitement and how it kind of was the turning point in our in the sort of second half of the season, um it was an IU assist, wasn't he? He yeah, just yeah. dribbled yeah. into the centre of the pitch yeah, and yeah. clipped it through. And like, it wasn't an easy pass to control. Good finish. I, for 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 what it made me feel, because I was there, I'm going to give it to Mateta against Leicester. I don't think he did control yeah. it. When I mean, you look at it, look look back at it as I did about twenty times, it looks like his body shape's in entirely the wrong position. But somehow, it, the, it, he sort of it hits him and it ends up where it should end up. Is it, are you basically comparing it to Burkamp against Newcastle? I, I think it's up there. It's up there because of the importance of it. If we hadn't scored yeah. that goal against Leicester, we would have left Sellers Park going, oh, Christ, really? All that effort and no goal. I think it might have, I think that set the tone for the three or four games following, actually. The pressure but I, sure, didn't it? Yeah, it yeah, was a big moment. I I got quite cross this season because we scored some cracking goals. I don't think any of them got nominated for match of the day goal of the month. Yeah, you know, I read. I read yesterday the goal of the season was the goal that Brighton scored in the last yeah, yeah. game. And City and yeah. Cesar, yeah. That's it a was good a, goal. a wonderful good goal, goal, wonderful goal. goal. But goal. I was like, I barely but, remember because City had won the league by that point. So, mm-hmm. yeah. but there, there were two goals. That I think it's the third goal against Leeds, the Elise through ball, and as a. Little touch. Uh, little touch yeah. with the outsider. So but for me, it's Eze's goal at Southampton. That was a superb uh, yeah, goal. Yeah. The control, he was yeah, facing the wrong the direction. Shimmy. Yeah. The control, the way he went to go one way, we went the other with the ball at his feet, yeah. and then hit it first time from about 25 yards. And that, that he didn't even get nominated for goal. But that was a fantastic goal. I, I, for me, that was the the, the one you, you over and over again, you go, that was a Palace player doing that. That's brilliant. That was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. That's the goal that I missed because I was uh, looking at Palace shirts on eBay at the time. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, even though no, I was did next to Jack. Yeah. Uh, I did get the shirt though. So, you know, it's happy ending to the story. Um, for, for all listeners, I'm going to call you a dickhead for that. That was ridiculous. Yeah. I saw it Outrageous. go in. I saw it go in. I just didn't see him. Shoot it. I'm happy to own my mistakes. It's uh, I'm old enough now and ugly enough to uh, to do that. Um, why, the, why were you looking for a Palace shirt on eBay at the time? At a game. Because I, I, I have a problem. 
Okay, I have a problem. Okay, fair right, enough. Right, I need an intervention. You're a, you're a dickhead. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> Jack's actually absolutely right. Fair enough. It's taken you ten years to work that out as well. I'm, um, I'm with Kevin. The uh, in terms of he plays for Palace. The, the or the for my one, it was they play for Palace. The Elise Ping and Ruben mentioned it, but the Elise Ping uh, ebbs his touch and then oh, kind of run for the Bournemouth goal. Well, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, unbelievable. It's the way he took it down. Like that's a difficult touch to take yeah. down. So just, cool. He's yeah. so cool. The ball. The other. The first Bournemouth goal was every. The one every player. Everyone touched. touched. They, and yeah. they, the club released that video same, game. Same as Brighton last year as well, wasn't it? With, yeah. 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 And the good thing was that the keeper touched it, but in the course of the move, it didn't start with the keeper. The, the keeper. It yeah, went it was to the back keeper. to him. Yeah, which is great. Yeah. What yeah, what won the official up, club? What was it? What won? At least the say three, three kids. We, we, we haven't talked. We haven't talked about it. Yeah, it was the I main the main article. Yeah, I always prefer goals that yeah, come okay. from from passing and moving. I was, it's like yeah, it was a brilliant strike and it was right at the end of the game. But at the same time, you'd hope that a professional footballer can hit a ball like that, really. And also, Just, slightly spoiled by the way he reacts to goals. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's just every now and again, there's all sorts of rumours as to why he doesn't celebrate. But every now and again. I know it's slightly cool just to do the Alan Shearer raise finger thing, but just run away screaming like the rest of us would do. But uh, honorable mention for Wilf against Brentford. Oh, that was lovely. Almost yeah, too early in the yeah, season, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Feels, like a, it. feels like a lifetime. That yeah, feels like, like a, a lifetime ago. season, doesn't it? Yeah. 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 But that was a lovely well, goal. Actually, Eze, the, the, the goal away at Brentford, that's a really good move as well. That's, Eze, yeah, that's a lovely clip from yeah. Elisa, yeah. 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 yeah we do score some nice goals because we've got some lovely players. That's the Nice I feel thing. like that's a very new thing. I feel like we didn't used to score good goals. Like we'd score yeah. enough goals to survive, yeah. but you wouldn't necessarily pick any of them out. Did um, Cole Veer ever score like a great goal? No. You know, yeah, those players no. in the 90s, Hopkins scored. I remember when we played QPR at home in like 2015 and we won 3-1 and all our goals were scrambled efforts in the six-yard box. And their goal was Matt Phillips scoring from yeah. literally 50 oh, yards. <laughs> and you're almost like, actually, they should probably win the game for that because that's better than all our goals put together. But Some goals should yeah. be worth double, yeah. 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 But you know, yeah. You, it's like Keith Millen used to say that Pulis would, was furious at one game where we had 31%. Yeah. And Pulis went mad at the players because they can't do it. You, you haven't got anything you can do with the ball. I imagine well, was that, that, was, that was too much. That was too much, yeah. <laughs> Because it was a game against Villa, and Keith Millen did the pod the week after. We went 31%, Keith. Amazing that the levels we're at. He said the boss went mad. He said, <laughs> yeah. he said, he said basically, he's, he's trying to get it, give it to Wilf, don't start knocking. But I, I imagine Pugas would be furious with somebody who scored with a 25 yard volley. It's yeah. not the yeah. sort of goal he wants to score. Allardyce doesn't want to score goals like that, does he? Disgusting. Yeah. No, it's good. You're right, uh, you're right Ruben. We are, we are uh, the, cal- the calibre of goal, actually, the calibre of everything. <laughs> Has, has actually gone up and I think actually looking back this season there's a chance to recognise oh actually we are we are in our best ever moment yeah. and we have got an insanely good squad well, um, some, some simple things like the calibre of second choice goalkeeper who may be yeah. first choice goalkeeper next season I mean he's a what a step up that is to have two England international yeah yeah, to, have two, <laughs> yeah to get rid of yeah. one and because you're confident enough in the other who, who technically is a backup keeper I, I suspect he might be the starting keeper next season but I heard it's all in the gloves they wear, Kevin. That's what I heard. Who told you that, Selzy? Someone. <laughs> I got a confidential source, but somebody told me. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. 
That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, Select Quote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. Select Quote. We shop, you save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Hey, it's Jesse Kelly. We are, for the most part, a reactionary society. If your neighbor has a break-in, you think about getting an alarm. If your buddy gets laid off, you say, I better buckle down at work. If banks start closing, you may want to ask yourself if you should keep most or all of your money in a bank. It may be time for a portfolio protection plan. It may be time to have a little personal gold reserve. Go to www.oxfordgoldgroup.com to learn more. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at PenFed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Back to the Five Plan podcast, sponsored by Eternity Home Finance. Uh, from getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement, email info at eternityhomefinance.com. And quite the code FYP for a free consultation. Let's move on to a category that definitely no one else is voting on. It's typical palace moment of the season. This is a very FYP-centric uh, category. I mean, yet again, Kevin, a season where there's probably a handful of of potential typical palace moments um did any stand out for you if it, it felt like, it yeah. two, felt like two seasons really didn't it i um i, I think conceding a goal in the 98th minute at brentford in, in time added on to basically i know i phrased him earlier on but basically time added on for tyrick mitchell doing the most blatant time waste it's like you've done your shoelaces up again tyrick we'll stop doing that and i mean that if we'd scored if we'd won that game the history might have been different because Vieira may have may have stayed I think obviously the ticket queues at West Ham when they went down which is basically the whole the whole boat by the time I got in I, I got to the front of the turnstile queue and just joined the back of the bar queue because that was the only <laughs> um, but I mean for me the, the most typical Palace thing this season was finishing above Chelsea and still ending up 11th <laughs> like yeah. any other season at the start of the season you said you're going to finish above Chelsea we go we're in Europe <laughs> When it became clear that we were safe, that was the only thing I cared about. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. I, I, 
I was watching. I was like keeping tabs on everything Chelsea were doing. I was like, "Yes, they've dropped points. Come on!" Like, I, I, obviously, I don't really like Chelsea, but I never normally care that much about how they're doing. But I was just so keen for us to finish above them. Anyway. And Andy, I, I kept pestering the talk sport producers. To, I said, "Please, just get me on once with Andy Jacobs, please." And then I saw him at a funeral. And Ali said, I had a screen grab of the, the league table on my phone. He said, you can't do it to him at a funeral. <laughs> I said, I've got, this is the only opportunity I've got. Oh, no. was, but it was, I mean, it was fantastic. I mean, and we deserve to finish above them as well. I mean, but, yeah. but it also contributed to the, a lot of fun at the end of the season, watching what they did to Frank Lampard's hairline. Which, which what's left of it? What's left of it? God bless him. Just, but, but that, that, I mean, for me, that's just like, fuck's sake, we finished above Chelsea and we're still mid table. Finished above them despite them doing the double over us. I was just yeah, about to say that only adds to it, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Bizarre. God, I've forgotten that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Connie Gallagher this season, weird. You know, obviously he had the winner at, Sel- at Selhurst in October, but his performance against us at Stamford Bridge in January, bloody hell. Mm. Combined Absolutely. with that weird moment at the end of the game where he was yeah he's been dragged off the pitch by his best mate by his best mate yeah yeah I mean Ruben... it's never it's never good seeing an ex girlfriend or an ex partner that that really was <laughs> well, you don't rough. want to scrap with them do you <laughs> no, that was that was rough that wasn't good that... do we do we know Ruben if these rumours are true that uh, Pochettino likes Gallagher because of course the rumour machine kicks into action straight away that he's coming back to sell us lads but I saw um... a couple of, couple of journalists indicating that Pochettino rates him quite highly. I've I'm not seen anything about Poch and Gallagher. I'd be surprised if he comes back here. The, uh, I think um, is it the Telegraph? I'm not sure which paper today reporting that Spurs are interested in in Gallagher. Oh really? Um, so maybe Ange Postecoglou could get something out of him again. Because uh, yeah, despite those, he scored like a few goals. It felt felt like he scored one against us that was an absolute banger. One very deflected one that got Chelsea a few points. But. Um, I think we need to stop hoping that he comes back yeah. now. Because yeah, we've got Jefferson Lerman. We don't need him. I, I like yeah. Postacoglu. You, you can't help thinking that Postacoglu's got Nuno written all over him at Tottenham somehow. <laughs> well, it is they'll Tottenham. play better football. They'll He'll play go better than that. He'll they'll go better than more, that, I think. They'll, they'll play more exciting football. But I just think it's a huge... I mean, it's a cliche, but it's a, it's a huge gulf between yeah. Scottish Premier League. If I can mention a, a different club podcast um, briefly, I, the, the View from the Lane um, podcast about Spurs... The uh, Jack Pitbrook was saying that they'll probably have a few bad results to begin with, but the fans will probably uh, buy into him like they did with Poch. And I don't know how we've pivoted so firmly onto Spurs now, but yeah, Gallagher would probably be a good fit there. And good luck to him. Yeah, well, I, I get, yeah. yeah. Again, leaning into another cliche, and just just sounds like uh, a character from Neighbours. That's all I can think. Of. <laughs> And I don't want to tarnish all Australians with neighbours, but I have. And that's just, I'm sorry, that is my reference point. We haven't good even old, touched good old on Ange. the summer saga of Harry Kane. Will he stay or will he stay? I mean, it's just so boring. Like, oh, who knows? Well, the transfer window has opened today, I think. Is that right? The transfer window, yeah, I think yeah, it's I now think so. open. Yeah. Um, I'm sure we'll do some sort of, as and when there's transfer news at Palace, we will do some transfer so the, the, last, the last day of September. <laughs> I'm just thinking, actually, I might chuck in, I might chuck in a random category, actually, if that's okay with you guys, on transfers, which is simply signing of the season. I mean, it's probably Decore, isn't it? Yeah, yeah I think we've answered yeah, that one in the first question. Probably, yeah. oh, probably the guy that was unanimously uh, yeah. player of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Who else is there? Oh, uh, yeah. Malcolm Abue. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, who else did Sam, we sign? Sam Johnston, I think. It's, Chris yeah. Richards. Yeah. Chris Richards, uh, some nice cameos, but you know, 
it didn't have enough time, but yeah, check Decore wins that one, Jim. Fair thanks, enough. Thanks for chucking it in, though. Pat. This is why we don't do live production. This is why we just the Okay. In that case, let's move on to well. The next one's not really a. Uh, oh, an, you, haven't had, you haven't had Jack and Ruby's typical palace. Oh, you? sorry, sorry. Yeah, live, live production. Wow, we went on such Thank a tangent. You, I completely lost my place. Yeah. Go on then, Jack. Typical palace. Because I got one as well, actually. But yeah, Jack. Typical palace moment. Yeah, watching Patrick Vieira walk off at the Amex just felt really typical palace. It, it felt like a moment, and I, I wonder even if he had the Arsenal game, whether the right was on the wall really for him. That was it was such a weird night. It was just yeah. This weird debut for Joe Whitworth, this 19-year-old in goal, and, you know, he, he didn't have a bad game. He was probably the shining light, really. But the game, once Brighton went one up, it just felt like it could have just called it quits and just ended it. And watching Patrick Vieira, who gave us some wonderful times, kind of walk off in the rain, and and it was Joel Ward who kind of took the boys off the pitch and was there to see them see them kind of go off after the, the away end gave the... Uh, Players, a bit of a mixed reception. I remember Jean-Philippe Tessa just standing there, kind of just taking it all in. Um, and it felt like a moment in time, really. And then was it a couple of days later that, that he was relieved of his duties? So that felt quite typical Palace. And in retrospect, that, that kind of led to the, the right decision. As sad as it was to see Patrick Vieira, a very good man and somebody, as I said, who did a lot of good stuff for Palace, but it was the right thing to let him go because I, I think it would have just worsened. I, I just don't see how he would have turned it round from where we were with four games shortly before that Brighton game of not having had a shot to winning the games that Roy then went and won. And yeah, it was sad to see him, but it did feel typical Palace because within the, I think it was the week anniversary of the Everton 4-0 in the cup and yeah. all the good times that he bought with him. Yeah. Seeing kind of drift off into the, the rain, it just, yeah, it did feel a bit typical Palace. It's also unfortunately a typical Palace. And I, I have said this before, various me that, that, we get rid of Vieira, which is probably the right decision, and then immediately rewrite history to imply that he was a terrible choice in the first place. Yeah, I think which I thought was I thought was I thought was bizarre. pretty I thought was pretty poor on our on our part. Can you enlighten um, me on that? I'm not actually sure I know what you're referring to there. Well, it's just the, 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 literally the day after he he resigned, there were some articles that appeared about splits in the camp about how the players didn't like him, about how right, he's right. a divisive figure, about how things that we would almost certainly have heard about at the time. Had happened about Steve Parrish claiming that he wanted to sack him before the Watford game that we that where we destroyed Watford away from home, where the image was of Roy Hodgson walking off in the rain. And this time in last the rain, season, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this this time last season, we were all highly delighted with what Patrick Vieira had done with the culture change he brought to the club. And I think that should have been acknowledged more recently. I think there should have been more uh, sadness at his departure. I think there should have been an acknowledgement of what what he'd done. And I think people needed to remember why some of us were glad to see the back of Rory Hodgson in the first place. I'm delighted that he came back. I think he's done a good job. I wouldn't be at all fussed if he stayed as manager, not that that would bother him. But yeah, and before the World Cup, if we'd beaten Forest, we would have been seventh. We were talking about going to Europe before the World Cup started. And that, you know, he had a terrible run of games. So the Roy Hodgson factor, just as equally as important, was the playing seven teams shitter than us factor. As well, and I, I think Vieira would have kept us up. Clearly, there were issues, but I, I don't think we were very gracious in the way we treated him when he when he left us. To be perfectly honest, I don't yeah. think we covered ourselves in glory at that time. Yeah, because I've, I've had this conversation with mates since Vieira went. When would you, presuming we'd gone to Arsenal a few days after Brighton and would have got rolled over whoever the manager was? What what game? 
maybe afterwards. Would it have been the Leicester game or Leeds? Would, when, when would you have started to think? I, well, I wouldn't change it. I wouldn't have sacked him. I, I, I think we would have beaten the teams that we beat. If you look at the reverse fixtures of the teams that Roy Hodgson beat, Patrick Vieira beat them earlier in the season. I don't necessarily think that we would have played with the flair and ability that we did, but I don't think any of us expected that we would do that under Roy, to be perfectly honest. So I think I think Vieira would have kept us up. It's it's quite clear that there were issues behind the scenes with with other coaches, and Ruben may know more about this than I would, but it, it might, I wouldn't have got rid of him. I thought it was a mistake at the time. I don't think it's a mistake now, obviously. It's, you know, it turns out the parish is, is very, very good at panic appointments. He knows where to push the button. But not so good at the long-term ones. But I, it was yeah. just the way it was dealt with, really. And, it's just a, and I was a bit disappointed that so many Palace fans bought into it as well. I felt like I was being gaslighted by 25,000 Palace fans at one stage. You know, people who, who I know were desperate to see the back of Roy Hodgson suddenly saying, yeah, of course he's the answer. What This man's a genius. So... I just, I just don't think we covered ourselves in glory as a club at the time. Yeah, I think, I think that's fair. Football, football is nuanced, right? But fans aren't good at nuance. Um, right. yeah, or, at, and like re- recency yeah. bias is is also a massive thing. So yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah, I think, I think you kind of sum up the argument fairly well. I, I don't necessarily think we would have won the games that we won under Roy if we'd kept him on because I think the atmosphere and the kind of there was a bit of a rot, like the performances. Regardless of the results, the performances were not confident yep, or yep. aggressive or anything like that. So I think it needed some sort of change. But have that all that being said, you're right in that the what he achieved in his first season, um, changing the style of play, taking us to a FA Cup semi final, um, you know, embe- embedding a, a lot of new players. Uh, he deserves a lot of credit for that. But I, I, I still probably uh, lean towards the opinion of uh, a change was needed. And, 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 go on. Go on. So I was going to say the biggest thing, the biggest change that obviously did come about was Roy's more effective use of Ebery Jersey, which yeah. you know was, was a change. And, and clear, I, the biggest question I have about the air is just what was happening between him and Ebbs, because you know even before the run of games, there there seemed to be this odd relationship between Vieira and Eze, and that he just wanted more out of Ebbs all the time, and you know dropping him at certain points, and giving him ten minutes here and twenty minutes there, and. It, there were, I can't remember which game it was. Um, maybe Newcastle in January. And Ebbs came on and he just looked so ineffective. He was just doing shuttle runs for 20 minutes. And then the 45 minutes that he came on against Brighton when Chet Decore should have been sent off in the first half and got pulled at half-time, it was just a player playing with no confidence, no no effect in the game, and, and actually looked more of a you know a risk to the team than, than a, a positive. So that's the one question I would have for Vieira. Would he rethink his approach to Eberiche Eze because clearly the change of manager did wonders for him to the point where he's going to make his England debut in two days' time. So The, the maddest thing is that Vieira recently said um, I saw to, that. to the mirror that if there was any Paris players that Arsenal should sign, he, he listed Elisa and Eze. And it's like, well, well really? why don't you play him then? But, <laughs> I mean, some, somebody somebody asked me this on Twitter, like, why wasn't Eze playing under Vieira as much as he is now? And I, I did the, I, I didn't, couldn't be bothered to get into a really long discussion about the nuance. So I just said cowardice. Right. But like, it, it isn't necessarily that, but I think the more nuanced answer is that he was, because results weren't great. He felt like he couldn't fit a flair player like that into the team and had to prioritize defensive solidity, but that came at the expense of us being able to score goals. So I, I kind of, there is, there is logic to it. It just didn't work. 
basically. But something seemed to happen to Vieira around the Fulham and Tottenham games. Yeah. Uh, and, and arguably, we didn't deserve to be beaten like that by, by Spurs. As, as Paul Merson said, if Harry Kane played for Palace, we might well have won that game. But it seemed that Vieira, whether it was him or whether it was the coaches, but he seemed to lose faith in a, in a more attacking style of football. We seemed to go into his shell and we looked like a different team after those. So we conceded seven, didn't we, in those two home yeah, games yeah. straight after yeah, the World Cup. It was the Cup. Fulham one we, we, where we got two Boxing red cards. Day. Yeah, Boxing yeah, yeah, yeah. Boxing, yeah, yeah. Boxing. We beat Bournemouth quite comfortably and then uh, Tottenham stuff. So it, it seemed like Patrick Vieira decided that he had to tighten the ship a little bit. In the, yeah, yeah. That came yeah. at the, the expense of the sort of football that we had been playing even before the World Cup. It wasn't that we stopped trying to play that football. It's just, it was difficult because Decore was essentially a one-man midfield at the start of the season. And every time we weren't playing well, there was always the shadow of Conor Gallagher, even though always, he was never always. out player. Yeah. You know, we always. spent the first We've talked yeah. about it. It just felt that every time we didn't have a good game in the first half of the season, media would pass this, oh, you're missing Conor Gallagher. It's like he was never our player. Yeah. He was never going to be here this season. It's this kind of continual rumour that was almost, you know, so persistent it was to be believed. And, and he wasn't he wasn't our player and, and maybe the manager got so comfortable playing Conor Gallagher, although people forget Vieira wasn't using him that much towards the end of last season either. So I don't know. It, it was a it was a weird one for Vieira. I, I agree with you, Kevin. I think that kind of return from the World Cup break threw him completely. And there were rumors that at that point the hierarchy at the club said to him, Do you want to consider rearranging your coaching staff? Is there someone we could bring in to support you? And maybe if that rumor is true. Maybe in retrospect, that's something that Vieira could have considered and perhaps should have considered. Yeah. Because I think Selzy made the point on the post-match many, many times that Vieira, a relatively inexperienced coach at this level, would look back at his bench and there weren't the heads that maybe you would hope that he would have. He had Ossian Roberts, who very technically gifted in terms of his coaching and he was a you know, UEFA leading coaching coordinator and you know comes with a wealth of experience there. And then he had more technical coaches, but there weren't the types that... Roy clearly values in having someone like Ray Lewington next to him, where it's just like, tell me what to do. If I can't think of it, you might be able to. And and I do wonder whether the change of, of coaching staff or just supplementing the coaching staff may well have benefited Vieira. But he stood by his guys, and that's an honourable thing to do. But ultimately, I think that led to mm. what happened after the Brighton game. Yeah. If, Kevin, Harry Kane did play for Palace, we'd be doing very different podcasts. We this would, would be we? a very different podcast. We'd have sold him three years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> Shall, really? I do my, shall I do my typical Paris moment of the season now? <laughs> yeah, before you get to that, just really quickly, Kevin made the, the point Kevin was making about um, Palace uh, not covering themselves in glory when Vieira left. The person that did credit Vieira, ironically, was Roy Hodgson. One of the yeah. first things he did when he came in was talk yeah. about this is Vieira's team and thanked yeah. him for the base there. So Roy, as ever, being the gentleman. Um, classy touch. Classy touch. Um, yeah, Ruben, your typical Palace moment. I'll make it quick. Um, similar to Jack's, but not the end of the game, the start of the Brighton game at the Amex, where we hadn't had a shot on, t- on target in like three games. We came out all guns blazing, really aggressive press. We were forcing mistakes. We had a shot on target. We had another shot on target. We had another one, and then uh-huh. Sonny March scored, and everything yeah. went to shit. And we just went <laughs> back into our shell. And it was like, oh, okay, well, that was fun for 15 minutes, and now we are at the exact same team we were. And then that was when you kind of knew it was the end. But yeah, it's like that that moment there where where March scored. I, th- I think probably. Yeah, I actually think that 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 three month period from the start of the year to I guess March April 
was all quite typical Palace, really. You had to see a lot of results in there, like the Brentford game, lots of things that felt palace My typical Palace moment, though, was one throwaway comment on the podcast that led to Roy Hodgson <laughs> getting directly pissed off with this podcast, <laughs> which would be Joe's comfy old shoe. Old shoe. <laughs> which yeah. I, you know what, as producer and host of the podcast, I stand by it. I think it was a completely legitimate comment, um, but it was very funny to see the Joe, way it, it played Joe out. Was, Joe was misrepresented. But Massively. It, it, yeah. it, came, it came from a place of love, though. I mean, he meant, it as, a, he meant it as a as a compliment, but yeah. no, just as no one wants to be described as a cuddly old Labrador, do they? It's, it's the same. <laughs> but he wouldn't let it go, Hodgson. He was really... He, no, even, when, even when he came yeah. round and tried to, like... Give the the polite media trained answer. His yeah. face in that video is oh. just an absolute treat. <laughs> well, there was oh, a moment was as well. I, c- I can't remember who it was that interviewed him on Sky and broke the news to him. But there's a moment where she clearly realised that she'd made a terrible mistake. Yeah, that that, that love of Lord Roy wasn't the, yeah. the smile wasn't going to his eyes. She was trying to reel it back in. I think, I think the guy said a place of love. Or... Nice things. I think the guy was talking on a Zoom call at eight o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> didn't, really, didn't really think about what he was talking about. Uh, it's a hard day. Sorry, right? Right? Yeah. We'll play the clip. We'll play the clip. Um, I was going to ask you though, Joe, just what was it? like seeing Roy back on the touchline. But yeah, no, it all just seemed to feel like a uh like a comfy old shoe again. And <laughs> but in a in a positive way, I think maybe the maybe the result influenced that. Actually heard you described as a comfy pair of shoes at Palace this week, which you may or may not enjoy that. No. I think when the person was talking it was in a reassuring sort of way. The way that Chelsea fans found it almost reassuring to see Frank yeah. in a Chelsea kit. Palace fans felt reassured to see you back in the dugout at Palace with where they are at the moment. Well, that's nice to know if that's the case. And Crystal Palace are 3-1 ahead, and it's a Berra-Ezzel with the goal. I was very tempted at the end of the season, if we'd stayed up, which we did and had gone well, to send Roy Hodgson a comfy pair of slippers by the club. But I think maybe that was probably would have been pushing it a little bit and would have uh, So you're saying the chances well. of Roy coming on the pod have taken a hit this season? <laughs> well... I don't actually uh, think he knows it was us, but any, anyway, that was a, felt a very he, typical he, Palace. He moment. does, of course, he does. Of course, he does. <laughs> he does. I know for a fact he does. <laughs> anyway, and I, and I know he's got Joe's address. <laughs> That's why Joe was going to be on today, but he uh, mysteriously backed out last minute. Um, in fact, Joe, uh, Jack is Joe. He's just had his face and his voice described. <laughs> <laughs> AI, AI podcast. That was a great moment. I very much enjoyed that yeah. one. That was, uh, after, was that after the Leicester game? Yeah, it was all, yeah, we were talking about, oh, because that's right, Joe had said it was like yeah. seeing an old pair. Yeah, of yeah on the touchline, that's right, yeah, yeah. to the five-year plan end of season pod sponsored by eternity home finance from getting on the property ladder to planning your retirement email info at eternityhomefinance.com quite the code fyp for a free consultation let's move on to well less less award category 
but it's to do with managers. So this is more more kind of looking forward, but I guess back at the same time. But we'll call it the, the award, award for... The award ceremonies. Is that over then? The awards are over. I guess we... so. I haven't really got any other categories. Um, the after party. We're at the after party. Yeah, we're chatting at the after party. Mingling, okay. if you will. Um, so this is basically, uh, as of today, Wednesday the 14th of June 2023, Palace haven't appointed a manager yet. Roy Hodgson is... In sort of managerial purgatory, I guess, sort of isn't a manager yet, but no one really knows. Um, I thought I'd ask you guys who you want to be the next manager, and also at the same time, who you think it might end up being. Kevin, we'll come to you first. It, it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's it, if Paddy McCarthy had come in when Hodgson did and did what he did, you'd all be saying, or we'd all be saying, give him the job, of course. So uh, part of me, despite my opposition to Roy getting the manager's job again in the first place, part of me thinks he did a brilliant job. Of course, keep him on. Part of me thinks we didn't see us play against a really good team in that time. We struggled, we really struggled against Everton when plan A didn't work and plan B turned out to be plan A but quicker. So I I, I wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be, Devastated if he was to be our manager. I think I, I did a benefit in Leicester a couple of weeks ago. And one of the people on this panel I was doing was a, a Times journalist who says that he writes stuff with Steve Parrish. And he, he said, Parrish, in terms of trying to attract people like Brendan Rogers and Graham Potter to the club, Parrish has probably sacked one too many managers to, to do mm, that. Interesting. And that you might have to put there might have to be a big clause in any good manager's contract that, you know, if, if a player, I mean, Graham Potter, everybody says he needs two years. If you've got a manager of that quality who knows that five bad results after Christmas might see him get sacked, it's a it's an interest. I, I, I thought Postacoglu would be a good fit for us, to be perfectly honest. I thought we were at a level in the Premier League that he, he could cope with, but um, I, I always thought it was slightly optimistic to to think that Rogers or Potter would come to us in the first place. And the problem with, I'd, I'd love it to be Graham Potter, but the trouble is three bad results and suddenly he'd be Brighton's Graham Potter again. So that's gonna, always, that's always yeah. going to be an issue. I, I suspect that Parrish's first choice is, is Roy Hodgson. But my worry is that if Roy Hodgson is the manager, you haven't got Roy Hodgson out there if Roy Hodgson gets sacked. <laughs> exactly. I, I like the fact that Roy Hodgson's there in the background um, yeah, Lurking in the wings. You, you, there's no yeah. point denying, even though I'm I'm the oldest person here by a long shot. There's no point denying that age is a factor for Roy, and I think he hinted as much himself that there's a world of difference between a a 12 game stint and a and a 38 game season. It still looks odd seeing Ray Lewington on the on the, and I love Ray Lewington. We all do. And part of me thinks that is a typical Palace reason to keep somebody on because he looks so different to the corporate managers at every other Premier League club. So I wouldn't, I'd be interested to hear if Ruben has any insight here because you kind of think if a decision is going to be made, I mean, even Tottenham have made their decision now. They haven't got their first choice by any means, but you kind of think if there is a decision to be made, it should have been, it should have been made already, yeah, which, it, which it, indicates to me that it probably is going to be Roy. If if Roy wants to take it, I, but I, I, but then the other side to that is if it is going to be Roy, why haven't they announced it? But you know, it's it's just like radio silence at the moment, which is totally concerning. Uh, like, I mean, the the odds that the bookies put up are kind of 
uh, they're all just like speculative. Like, oh, yeah, who yeah. who could th- who sounds feasible? It's not yeah. really based on anything um, other than like markets. I I wouldn't mind Hodgson for another year, um, but again, as you say, we didn't really play anybody brilliant under him. So uh, who knows how well that would go? We beat the Europa Conference champions. What are you talking about? <laughs> we did. That was that was such a fun game. What it was a fun game. Yeah. Best best team um, in the world. They, incre- they invented football for crap. They are. They are massive. <laughs> Um, <laughs> they are massive. They're the leads. Fucking out. I, I I would quite like Potter as well, but again, have the same concerns. Um, I hadn't really thought about it before you said it, Kevin. That uh, managers, like project managers, uh, Parish does have a bad like a bad record of pulling the trigger. Like, like I, I don't disagree with his decision to sack De Boer in 2017, yeah, yeah, but yeah. like we, you know, we've tried these things and we're not reverting to type. Although now, like the style of play has evolved um to a point that maybe the job is more attractive to that type of manager michael carrick could be a really good shout like his middles team didn't go up he's very highly rated they play nice football seems like he's got his head screwed on always seemed like a good bloke um and you know much like him being the most underappreciated midfielder of his generation compared to Lampard and Gerrard. It's like he's the best manager and those two <laughs> yeah. are very underwhelming. Um, I'm quite glad that we're not going to get either of them now because they've both done so badly that they've Gerrard seem, is seemingly off to Saudi Arabia and I don't know what Lampard's going to do. But I'm relieved it's not going to be one of them. Uh, I'd be pleased if Potter got it as long as uh, yeah, he was given the time and it looked like even if results weren't always great, if it looked like the performances were moving in the right direction and that we weren't going to go down then, you know, I, I'd be pretty pleased with that, to be honest. But you, you already, with, with two and a half, three weeks into the close season, mm. and a player like, you know, if, if someone like Graham Potter, as we says always, he is a project manager, he's lost a month of his project time already. He's, he's, yeah. I wonder yes. how much the Wilf uncertainty is preventing the managerial situation from being resolved as well. I, do you know what? There are two issues going on in football at the moment. The, the Man United takeover, which was meant to be done and dusted in a, in a week it, with one round of, of financial bids, is now dragging on. And of course, everyone wants as well. Yeah. <laughs> but the Wilf thing as well, I, I can't see any reason why it's being delayed for so long, unless there's just constant counter offers and new offers of wages behind the scenes that we don't know about. I, I really can't understand why that situation can't be resolved because he's got, it seems to me he's got three options, which is to stay at Palace on a reported 200 grand a week. And if we, if we bought a 30 year old on 200 grand a week, none of us would be too happy. Or he goes to Saudi Arabia where on a reported offer of 15 million pound a year, which is, which is brilliant. And obviously Saudi Arabia is on the up in terms of football. It will all be Saudi Arabian football teams in 20 years time. Or he goes to PSG, which makes perfect sense because, of course, he speaks French. And like you said, I think you said it, Jack, right at the start of the pod. I, if Wilf goes, I want him to go somewhere where he's got an outside chance of winning a, a trophy, even if it's a French title, because it, it upsets me that not non-Palace fans don't realise how good Wilf is. Yeah, and, and he, he would do really well in Ligue 1 as well. Like, I think he, I, I think you're yeah. absolutely right, Ruben. But what I, what I don't understand, I mean, I, you, I, he, he's already kind of our, our Matt Letizia already in that. No, no other football fans really talk about Letizia in the same way that everyone goes. Yeah, he's a great player; he could take a penalty. But Southampton fans saw him week in, week out, knew how brilliant he was. It's the same with us and Wilf. But I don't understand why, when it seems like there's only three options, it's taking so long 
for those options to play themselves out. And if, as you say, Ruben, that that's having an impact on who takes over as manager, then that it's even more worrying in a way. Because you'd imagine that any prospective managers who they're talking to want to know whether they're going to have Zaha next season or not. Yeah. And um, and if they if they don't know, then that's probably why it's dragging. Um, I, it maybe Wilf is waiting for more offers. I don't know. Um, I have an inkling that I'll tell you after we stop recording. But <laughs> there we go. But I, I can't see a. I mean, it's not a top six Premier League team. I mean, it's always Arsenal, the the, the one team in the Premier League that are linked with it. But I don't think he's good enough for any of the well, current I mean, offer, is it? No, not really. I, I think a few years ago. He would have been, but I think yeah, I've said yeah. this on 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 here before. He missed his window to go to Spurs when they yeah. signed Richarlison. He missed his yeah, window yeah. to go to Arsenal when they signed Trossard. Yeah. Can't go back to United. Too old for City and wouldn't yeah. play that much. Uh, Chelsea are, uh, you know, they're maybe I don't know. They're a bit of a mess. They don't really need another inside forward. Um, so like Newcastle, but then they've they're kind of stacked out wide as well already. So, um, and also I don't think he wants to move up north like it just doesn't seem in in his character which is why based on nothing but a hunch and the report in Lequipe or whichever paper it was I think PSG sounds the most plausible because yeah, yeah. He's, he's a Eurostar away from London he yeah. speaks French they're yeah. they're getting rid of like Messi's already left um, you know Mbappe's kicking That's up his fuss so, he'll, yeah. he'll probably stay for a year but they signed Chippo Moting at one point so surely they can <laughs> they can sign him they can yeah, sign him yeah. I agree yeah, about yeah. Wilf being Palace's Matt Letizia, and I look forward to him tweeting conspiracy theories once he does retire <laughs> in a few years time um, Jack let's come on to your this isn't a category, is it? But your your thoughts then on on managerial? Uh, just Kevin said at the start about Graham Potter having time, and and how long that period was before he got sacked after losing at home to Villa. If Potter had that spell at Palace, but half of that he would be fired. It, he had, you know, he had four months, five months. It was so underwhelming that Chelsea fans were like, "Oh God, can't wait for next season." With the luxury of knowing that they would have next season, whereas. We don't have that. We we have yeah, to fight yeah. fight within the season. Yeah. We never have the the luxury of being like, okay, well, let's bid this season. It was, it was lovely to have this season. By you know, by which point we've been to Southampton and won three on the bounce, and we felt relatively safe. It was nice to have the rest of the season, you know, to to kind of enjoy it. But in terms of being able to have a manager be as underwhelming as Potter was at Chelsea, it's just not possible. Um, I do like Graham Potter as a candidate, and I think he he could be very good for us, but I'll, I'll put forward Steve Cooper just because he's been another name mentioned and, and they know, or we know that Palace were interested in him previously. It's known that, that Dougie is a bit of a fan of his, um, and has proven that he is capable of doing a job in the Premier League. I don't know what that job at Forest really was in the end with, with how much transfer. They're going to want somebody who's out of work though, aren't they? Like, yeah, well, exactly. So my, I, that's you would their think model. Yeah. the only thing that would have happened with, with Cooper is if maybe he, gone by now and then you could say okay come on down I like Ruben chat about Carrick but I think maybe he needs a little bit more time in the championships to show that he's probably a little bit more consistent than a half season wonder um Cooper, I don't know, would, it, Cooper, Cooper would be such a hard sell to Palace fans. Oh, massively, massively. I mean, I mean, just I mean the, only, the only thing bringing you in a manager who's only just kept the team up, and also how we didn't score four or five. I mean, that was. I mean, it's such an insipid game. Well, the last, the last, day, of the game, last day of the season, but Forest didn't look like a team. I expect. I genuinely expected Forest to come out all guns blazing. We're staying up, put on a bit yeah. of a show, but they just. That, that was the a only week. thing. The only thing you would sell with Cooper, Kevin, I would think, would be his. Ability at coaching youngsters with the with the whole academy with with everything that we're trying to sell as you know 
the, the new academy and, and how many players were going to come through that. It could be Cooper, but I don't know if that's going to be actually accurate in that we're not going to see a, a stream of youth players coming into this the first team anytime soon because, I don't know, it's such a weird situation. I mean, Dom Fifield, I know Dom doesn't do football from end of May to August. He's, he's all about the cricket. But he did say before the end of the season that we had to get this done early. So we had the summer and it hasn't happened. You know, we're 14th of June, as you say, Jim, and we're no sooner to knowing than we were at the end of the season. It just seems really, really bizarre. And it does seem to be a pattern with the club. I don't know whether there's too many voices in the conversation and it's kind of delaying the inevitable, whether the person we're looking at, they want to do a little bit more work with, but the players are going to be back in three weeks time, you know, and, and, just think it's very, very bizarre. And, yeah, do, you uh, mean, do you mean too many voices in terms of owners or in terms of... Dougie, Dougie, Parrish, the owners. I mean, I, you would think it would come down to... You, you would hope Dougie, who, you know, as, as you mentioned a moment ago, has secured the signing of another Premier League player of the season. So he's doing his bit. Yeah. And that's happening while we don't know who the manager is. So it might be the coaches are seeing that and thinking, oh, I don't really like the idea that the kind of direction of recruitment is is being steered by somebody so evidently, and I want to be involved in that. And the parish is perhaps saying, well, this is what Dougie does and, and that's the way that we go here. And it might have put some people off. Rogers, who you know, carries the ego of the side of the Titanic would probably want to be involved a little bit more than others, but it just seems really, really bizarre. And I thought if it was going to be Roy, it would have been Roy by now and it not. So it yeah. suggests to me, and now, even if this isn't the truth, it would feel that if Roy's announced in the next week, 10 days, it would seem that, may not have been the first preference. I wonder if, just going back to what Ruben was saying, I, I wonder if they're in a uh, like a sort of weird vicious circle, vicious cycle, where Wilf is waiting to find out what's happening with the manager, but the manager is waiting to find out what's happening with Wilf. Yeah. So no, nothing is getting done because yeah. everyone's just sitting around waiting. When It's that, it's that, that meme from, from the US office where they're all pointing fake guns at each other. Everything, every time Ruben comes on, there is an American Office meme reference. So, uh, <laughs> listener, just get up to speed. Just and long may it continue. Nerd. Sorry about that. Long yeah. may it continue. Let's, I mean, my, my uh, answer may, is... May, maybe when Roy is announced, Ruben come on and say it's happening. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> no! Um, my, uh, my answer is I, I would be happy with Roy, and I think it would be Roy. So, Roy and Roy would be yeah. my answer there. Um just, just on, just, well, just just on that, I mean, we're in a week where Ebbs has spoken very openly about what an impact mm. Roy and Ray had on on him this season and other players, and maybe that's something that the owners will listen to and just say, if one of our key players is speaking so openly about the positive impact this guy's having, surely we're staring it in the face and we just give Roy another year. Um, then you're just pushing the longer term decision, but. Since when has Crystal Palace been a club that have made longer-term decisions? Maybe we well, I was going to say, is, is this the time where we buck that trend and, and maybe give Paddy McCarthy a first-team coaching job and let him learn from Roy for a year and, and have that as a plan of succession? That, that was the rumour, wasn't it? That was, yeah. I, I don't know, Alan Nixon or someone said that was possibly the way that they were going to go, but I don't know, just does that happen? Does that work? And then what happens if, I don't know, so many unknowns with that? Yeah. It's a nice, nice thing, nice idea, but... Just can't see how that would work practically well, in the modern cut and thrust of Premier League football. We'll find out, hopefully, sooner rather than later, as Kevin says, needs to be done soon. We'll round off this week's end of season pod uh, with your rating of the season. So I just ask you guys to rate the season out of 10. 
Slight, a weird one this season, I would say. Ruben, I come to you first. What, uh, as I said earlier, it feels like two seasons in one, but what would you give this season overall out of 10? Well, because it feels like two seasons in one, I'm trying to give the first half of the season as much uh, importance and weight here as the second half of the season. Um, and a lot of it was not that much fun. So I would give this season as a whole uh, a six and a half, um, which might sound slightly pessimistic, but um, I anticipate next season will be better. But, you know, we kind of finished where we expected to. Finishing above Chelsea was it was fun, as I mentioned. But, uh, yeah, six and a half, maybe seven at a push. Oh, I think that's fair. Uh, Kevin, I'll come to you. Ten out of ten. We we stayed up. <laughs> In terms of what we have to do at the start of each season, we did we did that. So it, we did a very successful job. I mean, it, it depends whether you talk about entertainment, whether you're talking about fun. Because yeah, the last six or seven games, I, I would I'm slightly more optimistic. I, I've got seven written down here, which is half a point more optimistic than than Ruben. I mean, taken as a whole, I mean, there was some good football. That, that, I mean, as we've been saying all night, the World Cup kind of skewed it a little bit, but there was some good football played. The the, the away game at West Ham mm. with Valise's, I mean, that brilliant goal at the end, which we were all saying, remember we were all saying that how different we are now because that was the fourth minute of uh, added on time and Vincente rolled the ball out to to tar- you know nor- and seasons gone by he would have been lying on the top of that ball for yeah. <laughs> enough time for the referee to blow the whistle and we ended up with a sort of eight pass move that finished us so there was some attacking enterprising football st- before that I, I i can't give it a better mark than 7 because it was that it was such an unfortunate time around you know the last four or five games of patrick and then the arsenal game it's really not it, not not nice. The atmosphere wasn't nice amongst Palace fans, and the rumours that were swirling about weren't good. So that that wasn't fun. But it, it ended on a high note. So yeah, seven out of ten. Uh, I think that's yeah fair. I Jack, before I come to you, I'll give you mine. I would have gone five for the first half of the season, eight for the second half of the season. Which quick maths is six point five, I think. So mm-hmm. similar to Ruben, what would you go tough, for? Tough crowd. Five for the last. Like, we were a, we missed penalty kick at Nottingham Forest and going seventh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but Jack crucially, we missed that penalty. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I, know. I look back at that. I think I've said this. On, yeah, you know who missed that penalty? Two hundred thousand pound a week. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> actually missed that penalty. Saudi Arabian target. Well <laughs> uh, Yeah, I look back at that week and think that was a bit of a, a weird week. Went to West Ham, won. Went to Newcastle, lost on penalties, and looking at Newcastle's route to the final, if yeah. we won that penalty shootout, that could have been quite a fun few months. Mm. Why do I not remember that game at all? No, nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody with the penalty shootout was on Sky Sports News. That's how uh, low yeah. grade <laughs> that was. It's like, it's like the Bournemouth one a year or two before yeah, yeah. when Hennessy yeah. skied his pen. Yeah. Yes, that was. Oh, what a moment. His last kick of a ball. <laughs> okay. Another season, another mention of Wayne Hersey. Brilliant. Um, yeah, the. Uh, that week, and then it ended with the Nottingham Forest game, which was so underwhelming to go into the World Cup break on on the back of that. His Forest weren't particularly good at that point. Well, they, they weren't, weren't particularly no. good all season. No, no. I felt like a real missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, and then we came back from the World Cup break with a shocking start against Fulham. Um, so I don't know. I would probably go seven point five slash eight for the season because the objective is to not go down. You know that to go down. I just don't think people appreciate the impact going down would have on this football club. We won't bounce yeah, back. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. of the current status, we don't bounce back. We lose everything that, we, that we've that we just talked about positively in the last hour and a bit. All, all the good players will go. Yeah. 
all the infrastructure movement that the club are trying to do stops. I just don't think that the impact of going down is is appreciated across the fan base. That's what I will say. So we've done that. But there were changes. The the departure of Patrick Vieira was very sad because of how good it had been under him, albeit I do think it was the right decision. Um, and we did stay up. And we had some wonderful moments, as we talked about. And we are seeing, I think, in Michael Elise and Ebrich as a two of the most exciting players that have, have worn the shirt. So I'm going to go with them. Go on, Kevin. The, the, the relegation thing, Jack, is really interesting because I know this makes me sound a lot more like a pessimistic old man than the normal, but what happened to Southampton and Leicester this year just goes to show that no matter how well established some Palace fans think we are, yeah. it's very easy for a club our size to end up in that situation. Because yeah. I don't think anybody at the start of the season would have predicted for a start that all three of the uh, the promoted teams would stay up. Given, I, I, given, I actually listened we... back to our preview episode, Kevin, yeah. you and I were on. And we both wrote Fulham and Bournemouth off out uh, uh, without uh, even thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. And well, that's exactly how I felt at the time. Yeah. Uh, and I, I'm almost reluctant to say the same about Luton. I can't, I think it would be a miracle for Luton to stay up. But Leeds going down wasn't necessarily a shot. But most, not many people would have had Southampton and Leicester. Leicester. Everton again. And, and again, I don't think there's any reason to expect that Everton would be doing much better next season with the financial problems they're going to face. But it's very easy for a, a t- you know, we've got Newcastle now have been taken out of our little group of teams that could go down. Mm. So it, it's, it's possible. And it's, so we, we've got to be vigilant. We've got to keep, we can't just stand still. We have to keep moving forward to make sure that we stay 11th. Basically that's the trouble. The Premier League gets harder and harder to stay in each year. And that's not fair in, in terms of the way football finance works, but that's reality, unfortunately. And it, again, it's like this, if Wilf does go, and suddenly people go, oh, that'd be great if Wolf goes, and then we've got £200,000 a week to spend on wages. It doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. So, But we've got to work really hard just to stay still. And at the moment, I'm slightly worried that we're not looking like we're doing that. It seems to be quite casual. Did you see um, Did you see the video that Bournemouth tweeted when they stayed up? Oh, they, the like, yeah, they compiled a load of YouTubers and pundits saying they're definitely <laughs> going down and then just like, played a compilation of all of their goals and stuff. It was really well played. And she's on Fulham as well. Like, I can't remember where I said this, right? I'm sure I did. But I went to a barbecue last Friday and um, uh, in Crystal Palace, actually, and I met a good friend of mine. I met her boyfriend for the first time, and he's a Fulham fan. And he was like, oh, lovely to meet you, mate. I heard so much about you. You said this about Fulham, though. And I, want you to say, I was like, all right, I don't even remember saying that. But, yeah, fair play. You had a good but, season. But, but, but Ruben, <laughs> the, the, the Bournemouth things, I used to get really cross, you know, plucky little Bournemouth owned by a Russian billionaire. And now the Bournemouth thing just goes to show how difficult it is to stay in the Premier League because Bournemouth spent eighty million quid in the transfer window. Yeah, yeah. Bournemouth ja- got, in January. In January, Bournemouth mm. have got a really, really, really rich American owner with really big ideas, whose stated aim is to spend as much money as it takes to bring the players in for 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 Bournemouth to stay up. So yeah, yeah they yeah, signed that forward who scored the winner at Spurs, didn't they? Yeah. And the left wing back, is it Vigna? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who's also scored at Spurs and I yeah, saw, just, made a difference. Just, just how plucky Bournemouth are. Um, I saw them at, uh, I, I, I had a lovely trip to Milan in January and Sassuolo tore AC Milan apart and beat them 5-2. And the guy that was the playmaker for Sassuolo that day who looked the best player on the pitch signed for Bournemouth yeah. on the Monday. Yeah. For £35 million. And, yeah. you know, th- there's money in the Premier League and we don't have much of it. <laughs> you know, that's... Who was, who, was well, the player, we... who was the player who ended up in Turkey? Was it Nicolo Zaniolo from Roma? Yeah. 
He was going to yeah. go to it, like Bournemouth and AC Milan were both fighting over him. He ended up at Galatasaray. But the fact that Premier League clubs like like Bournemouth can compete with clubs like AC Milan, yeah, it does it does show that they're not we're not none of us are that plucky anymore. Um, yeah, it's the size exactly. of their stadium that creates that misconception. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, guys, I think that's a good place to end the podcast. Thank you so much for joining talking, us. For this. T- talking about talking Bournemouth. About Bournemouth. <laughs> yeah. We talk, yeah. We talked about Tottenham earlier. We talked about Bournemouth. What other team can we talk about? Um, it's been a joy going back over the season. Thank you so much for your uh, category award nominations, uh, and thank you for joining us over the season as well. And all our panelists, really, really appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's been a good season, and uh, it's been lovely to expand our. Thank pod you, Jim. Thank well. you, Jim, for steering the ship as ever, mate. Yeah, well done, JD. Right, can I plug pleasure. some work? Of course. Um, can followers uh, and listeners of this podcast please go and follow the Athletic FC on TikTok and uh, and on YouTube? We're posting daily shorts of football news that you will find very interesting. Thank you. So when there is some Palace news, <laughs> there will be someone there. There will be me shouting down a camera, going, "Palace have got a new manager. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Let's find out." I, I I wish you all the best with that. I, I don't know if you have slightly misjudged the FYP audience, judging by the people that come up to me at Palace games. I don't know how many are on TikTok, but good <laughs> luck to you. It is worth, worth a try. try. No, absolutely. Good luck with that. I've seen some of those videos. They look, they look very good indeed. Um, thanks to uh, all our patrons this year for their support. There'll be plenty of patron pods in the summer, so keep an eye on your feed for that. Uh, and of course, Rob, Dom and Selzy, all our panellists and all our listeners throughout the season. Thank you for your questions and thank you for your kind comments at most games. It's very nice to hear from people that listen to the pod religiously. Massive thanks to Twenty Home Finance, of course, for their continued support this season. Um, we'll be back at some point, hopefully, when Palace support and you manager in the next few weeks. But if not, we've got some themed episodes on the way to keep an eye out for that. In the meantime, enjoy the sun. Not you, Kevin. Uh, enjoy the summer and we'll see you again soon goodbye Sports Social Podcast Network